0: Tonight, the Rio Grande Valley Vipers begin the G League Finals, and I know everyone's thinking of that, so where else could we begin? I'm Jonathan Fagan with Danielle Lerner, and this is, of course, the Texas Sports Nation Rockets podcast, and I think we pretty much covered the G League Finals with that. They, they play tonight against the Delaware Blue Coats. I don't think you're supposed to say it like that. I don't know. Like, blue hens, you say You're the blue Delaware hens. expert. I, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about the, like, do you say blue coats, (laughs) like the word that matters is coats or the blue coats? I I don't know, but the blue coats are coming and they're playing the Vipers and okay, that's enough of that. The Rockets season ended and, and, you know, I think a good place to begin as we've reached the end, how should people feel? How should the Rockets feel? How should Rockets fans feel? Not just about the season that's over, but about where the Rockets are. Owners of the worst record in the NBA for the past two seasons. How should people feel about, first, I guess, let's say how, I don't know. Let's start with fans, I guess. How should they feel about progress in rebuilding the Rockets?
1: I mean, I think that as year ones of rebuilds go, this was pretty successful. you know they knew that they were not going to win a lot of games. Having the worst record again is not great, but it also does get you uh, a somewhat favorable position for the lottery. Although I, I, we were discussing this the other night. I don't understand people who will root uh, specifically against like the needs of their team um, just so that they get a, a better draft pick. Um, especially when you know there's not that much of a difference Uh, in what the Rockets could get between if they had the the worst record and the second worst record. Um, The odds were not that much greater. Well, they weren't Um, any
0: greater. Um, Yeah. If you finish one through three, your odds are exactly the same. If you finish four, they're just a little bit worse of, of winning or finishing in the top four. The difference is if you finish as the Rockets did with the worst record, you could fall as low as five. If you finish with the second worst record, you could fall to six. Yeah, I agree. The, the slight difference of what worst case scenario could be and the small percentage difference of those two possibilities. You know, once you know you're finishing among the worst, uh, you know, go ahead and try to win, which the Rockets did. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 you said year one. Is it year one? I think it is. I agree with you. But it still jumped out at me that is it year one? It is the second year in a row with the worst record in the league. That first one doesn't count?
1: No. I mean, this was the year that they were intentional in going to the draft and picking guys who they thought were going to be the, the future face of the franchise, the first year playing with Jalen Green and Alperen Sengun, and those guys. So that, to me, makes it year one.
0: Yeah. And that's probably good. You know, the reason I thought it would be a good way to begin the podcast is I, I read some of the comments and, and analysis of the Pistons and even the Magic And there seems to be great enthusiasm about the rebuild uh, there. And they have a lot of young players who have shown a lot. And the Pistons and Pistons fans are thrilled with Cade Cunningham. I think thanks to his really strong two months and especially the last seven games, I think Rocket fans feel that way about Jalen Green. And I think that they should. But I don't know. I don't feel that same level of excitement. Of it's working. It's working. We're. It's. This is. This was worth it. Uh, should So and that's why I thought should it. Should people be excited that? All right. It's it's working. That this team is on its way.
1: I think that the the difference, and I have not paid as much attention to the Pistons or the Magic, or particularly the reactions of those two teams fan bases. But I think the difference with the Rockets is Rockets fans are a little bit more um, critical and skeptical of Steven Silas and of the front office and those decisions, which isn't a bad thing. I think it's a good thing for a fan base to be willing to criticize and and you know give the, the organization its lumps. But um, I also think that there was a level of impatience because they thought that it being a rebuilding season should mean that all of the rookies were on the floor for you know 30-plus minutes a game, and those guys were given priority at all times. And obviously we saw that at the end of the season when the veterans were sitting, and so I think people became happier. But they were, as you said, trying to win games at least some of the time, and the best chance that they had to do that was playing Christian Wood and Eric Gordon and the older, more experienced players. So I think that the dissatisfaction that we heard from Rockets fans was kind of a disconnect between um, what they saw as, oh, just go all in on the young guys right away and the approach that the team had, which is, you know, baby steps.
0: Well, and I think fans generally got over that because Jalen Green's development and all he showed late, well, I guess the plan worked with him. You know, and Shangun he not only started five of the last seven games, he was hurt for the other two, but he started and hey, he's a teenager. He's the one guy who's still a teenager. And so forcing him extra minutes as they did with Jalen Green, it it does look like now he needs a little more time to where maybe they did handle that right. I I think people got over that. uh, And I don't think, there was a whole lot of, why aren't you playing Dacian Nix more? After he started playing and maybe he wasn't ready to play more. Uh, I think people generally got over that. And there's some who sort of held on to their position of, well, everybody stinks. And, you know, well, what you said they should do, it, now it looks like they did it right. Well, they stink. That's what I said. That I, I think there was an element of that. But for the most part, and, you know, we got the typical postseason, you get a few people who ask questions and what do you think of the fans well you know tell me the general manager and by the way people listening on the podcast we do this with cameras so i got to see you roll your eyes with that question so just so people know i'm giving up that secret that yes you rolled your eyes when i repeated the what did you think of the fans Question As if there's going to be a coach, player, or general manager who would ever say, you know, the fans stink, you know, no, but but we have said it a lot that hey, they were supportive, they were understanding of the plan, and that that does speak well. And Rafael did point this out about himself that it does point to the Rockets communicated what the plan was. What makes it a lot easier for fans to understand and get on board with the plan when you tell them what it is. And so, Well, when you have one, and then you tell them what it is. And so I, I think generally the fans have been terrific, but there are some who wanted to hold on to the season-long grudge that somebody else should be playing, which has only happened, I don't know if I counted up in the top of my head off, it's happened, let's see, every team in every season in NBA history that People have said someone else should be playing. And, you know, I always go back to one of the years after the Spurs, Spurs championship. Fans were ripping Greg Popovich for not playing Austin Day enough. Okay, if, if if Greg Popovich is going to get ripped for that, Steven Silas, after these two seasons, you're going to get criticism for not playing someone. I don't know if it's going to be Dacian Nix or Trevlin Queen or... Somebody will argue that somebody should have played, but I I do think how they managed the growth of the young guys. I think like people were upset when Schroeder started playing and Josh Christopher lost a few minutes because he didn't play point anymore, but then it sort of showed he's better off not playing point. Putting him out there to drown wasn't necessarily the best way to develop him, and that's what we ended up seeing that he had some really good games. He was up and down. He hasn't found consistency yet. But he did better when they made that switch. And so it was very heavily criticized at the time. How could you take minutes off him to put in somebody who's a fill-in? Well, first of all, they wanted to look at Schroeder and see if he would be a fill-in, which it now appears he will be. But, hey, it wasn't a bad way to help Josh Christopher grow. So some of those things panned out, but I still go back to my first question. So if that's how Rocket fans should feel, like, okay, well, we have hope. Jalen Green is really exciting, talented, with potential to lead the league in scoring or potential to be a star player, maybe more. That's how fans should feel. How should the Rockets feel?
1: Not that the Rockets are going to come out if if things didn't go to plan and be like, oh, yeah, we just, we just crumbled. This was a disaster. But... I do think that it is going along with their plan. And and to your point about their transparency, like that is what is making this process easier to digest for everyone because they were very intentional with what they set out to do. Um, And Stephen Silas had that messaging all season about, well, this is about development and blah, blah, blah. And some of that is harder to stomach when they're in the middle of, say, a 15-game losing streak. Um, But they were consistent with it. Um, so I think that does help, but I do think that they accomplished that. You know, there are certain players who maybe didn't come along quite as fast. Uzman Garuba, of course, had, had some setbacks. You know, he had his wrist, wrist surgery that kept him out for a little while. Um, he was in the G league for quite some time playing and not playing. So he didn't get as much time with the Rockets probably as they would have liked, but Jalen Green was sensational, almost had the rookie scoring title, came one tenth of a point point shy of Cade Cunningham from, from doing that. Um, and, you know, I think Christopher and Shingoon, we've talked about it before on this podcast, exceeded expectations, especially on offense. Um, they both have to do some work defensively, but all of those guys growing collectively this year. And I wrote about this in a story that I believe posted today, but rookie growing pains seem bigger and more magnified when they're multiplied by four or three, if you're not counting Garuba, who wasn't there most of the time. So it seems like there are a lot of things going wrong. But down the road, that can be beneficial because they are all learning together within the same system. And even if Jalen Green is progressing, is more talented and progressing at a faster pace than the other two, you still know that they're internalizing the information at the same time. And like that synergy is really important and is going to hopefully show on the court.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there's no getting around, even if winning isn't the top priority, they didn't play a bunch of guys who aren't going to be on the team next year. They played guys they want to keep. They, it wasn't the Thunder who, you know, sat everybody who has ever done anything this year, or it wasn't even the Rockets last year when they had so many guys out that they were playing a lot of people who are not in the NBA. These are guys who are going to be on their team and they lost. The, not just the 15-game losing streak, they had an eight-game losing streak. They finished the year with a seven-game losing streak. I believe they had a 12 in there. Um, can these guys win? Are they, you know, and I, I thought it was interesting that Stephen Silas said yesterday, he's not going to be as forgiving and patient with mistakes. Okay, you spent the year learning. Now I expect you to have learned these things. when we, And, and I talked to him and I, I think this is part of the story I ended up cutting the other day. I had a long visit with him in Toronto and I, I asked about the patience he's had to develop to accept things that, you know, you see things and you want to slap your head over and over again, but he can't do that all game for one thing. He, you know, it's not a good look as you're trying to inspire you get a the concussion. Players, and also he'd be unconscious from how many times he would have slapped his head. He had to learn to accept things This year that, okay, that's part of learning next year. No, I've, and that was the biggest frustration he said is when it wasn't losses as much as if we lost or had bad stretches in games because we didn't apply what was emphasized in practice or video sessions or shoot arounds or pregame. And then we didn't do it. That was his biggest frustration. Well, next year, he's not going to be as patient with that. That if you fail in those things then somebody else plays, that, you, that was good to hear and that they will not be so basic, so vanilla, uh, especially defensively, um, which brings up other questions we'll get to. But so in other words, he expects to advance. But can these guys win when they didn't win this year? For that matter, should that become more of the goal next year? Winning. Because you can make a case, hey, if they draft another teenager, and especially if he's one of the top three guys to where he's a guy you want to play, you want him to get through those growing pains the way Jalen Green did. If you're going to be playing another young guy and those top three guys are all teenagers, should win. And this is the last year they control their first round pick before the Thunder gets control of their first round picks. And they have a of cap room in the summer of 2023. So in other words, you might not load up with veterans this summer. Is it time to win or do you go through another year like this?
1: I don't think there has to be another year exactly like this year where you only win 20 games, but I also don't think it's realistic to suddenly shoot for 50 wins. Uh, I think that there's a, a middle ground there. And I do think that Jalen Green made the point yesterday that he thinks a year in this league did somewhat teach the Rockets what it takes to win. Um, does that mean that they're going to be able to execute that? That's a whole different thing. But they, he made the point they did play a lot of very, very close games against a lot of the top teams in the NBA. They even beat a couple of the top teams in the NBA. Um, so, you know, they have that experience. It's not like they were automatically start to finish getting blown out every single game. It did happen quite a bit. Um, but it did not happen every single game. And we even saw in these last few weeks that they were still trying to be competitive. As you said earlier, there were quite a few big comebacks that fell short. So I think that that in itself shows that there's a big step and they have the potential to definitely exceed what they did this season. But I do think that it's going to feel very similar at times.
0: Well, you know, you made a good point though. They At the end of the year... I mean, they were on the edge of getting blown out a few times, but they were very competitive. They played with what I would call a good spirit, which was not always the case during the season. Now, some of that could be because they saw a finish line, Ah, finish strong, as opposed to the dog days type of thing. But this is after they sat the veterans. It makes you wonder, okay, is it time now? It becomes Jalen Green's team, Kevin Porter Jr.'s team. Uh, is it time to move Eric Gordon and Christian Wood? And if you do, what are you moving them for? Uh, it, I think that last part of the year, it wasn't entirely about that. It wasn't like, okay, we're, we're transitioning to next year's team. There were other reasons. For one thing, they were okay with losing. Let, let's stay in that bottom three. They couldn't lose in Portland. So they played those guys there. <laughs> they were going to win in Portland. And they did. They won those two games. But the seven games after, they thought, okay, you know, we could lose some games and we could give more minutes. We can finally play Usman Garuba. We can start opera uh, and Shingun. Is it time to transition from those veterans? Is it time to transition to other veterans? You, do you use your mid-level exception to bring in a veteran, even if that cuts into some of the cap room the next year? Hey, they got so much cap room, they can cut $10 million out of it and still have plenty. Uh, have we seen the last of Eric Gordon and Christian Wood in Rocket uniforms?
1: I thought it was very interesting. Yesterday, someone asked Stephen Silas, "Like, do you think that you need veterans on next year's team? And he immediately went into talking about Eric Gordon and, and the huge impact that he had this year um, without really answering the question. He said, well, you don't really need veterans. But then he talked about all the like great things that Eric Gordon did but you know what he didn't say? He didn't mention Christian Wood. I mean, that's that's true. So I, it's, I don't think that we see Eric Gordon back in Houston. Um, Chris, Christian Wood, I am less sure about, but it seems like they are very intense on Alpern Shangoon being the center of the future. And maybe if Christian Wood does stick around, they want him to play more at that four spot. Um, although... You, know, you also have Garuba, who is is not at the same level that Shingun is right now, um, and he, you asked him yesterday what position he would like to play because he's traditionally played the four, um, and he said, you know, I think I can be a center, but the Rockets, I think, have to decide what they want their center of the future to be, and if they need to go try and add someone kind of bigger and more physical in the meantime while well, Shingoon continues to develop.
0: I don't necessarily agree with them, but... They they expect Albert and Shingun to be the center, and they're not motivated to the big center. It's not, uh, you know. I don't think that's what they're going to be looking for. And I don't. I I don't necessarily agree. I think if you can get a guy like that at a good price, because if he's going to be a backup to Shingun, well, then, you know, you don't want to spend everything to play. Like you know, it's sort of like Andre Drummond when he was Embiid's backup. That well. People say they gave up too much in the Harden deal because they gave up the net starting center, but he wasn't the Sixers starting center. Well, same thing with the Rockets. Okay, I understand that part, but they they're not that motivated to having the big traditional center. And I do think what they'd like to do, they believe, and I, I do agree with this part, that Garuba could be as advanced and sort of natural defensive abilities as Alper and Shingun is with offensive abilities where he he is a really advanced for such a young guy offensive player with some real challenges defensively. Garuba, he can play center and switch everything and they can actually build a good defense when you have a center who can do that. You know, I'm not going to say yet he's Bam Adebayo who could be defensive player of the year, but he's got some of those qualities to him. He's got some of that to where it would be interesting to see. I think that's the plan. I think that's what they'd like to do. As far as Christian Wood, yeah, he's got to be a four. He should be that. But can they have a really good defense with Christian Wood and Alpern Shingoon on the floor together? And if you're trading a guy who is as reliably productive as Christian Wood is, he will get you numbers. He will get you... Points and rebounds reliably uh, on a team that especially needs the rebounding help. How do you replace that? You, and get a better defensive player or more of a defensive player who fits your needs? Uh, yeah, that's tough. Who 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 gives you range shooting like him, which you definitely want and need if Shangun is your center, and rebounds, but is much better defensively, or more, as I say. Uh, versatile defensively to fill in the gaps with Shangun. That's tough. I, I mean, I th- I, I kind of think, uh, I don't know how they do it, but I think that is the plan. Shangun, you're the center. And let's see what we can do next. In- and of course, all this changes in, I guess, 35 days if they uh, get in the top three of the draft lottery. You're taking either a four in Chet Holmgren or Paulo Banquero, or a really long three slash four in Jabari Smith. So we might have better answers on that. And then Eric Gordon, first of all, they, they like when he's on the court for so many reasons. Uh, you know, it's weird that you're 6'3", guys, your best post defender, but he's really good. Uh, you know, could he? Uh, it makes sense that, okay, I've written these words so many times. His timetable doesn't match up with the Rockets timetable. Yeah, but he could be Kevin Love to where he accepts that. He's good with it. He likes living here. Uh, could you just ride with him? Hey, he's under technically, he's under contract for two more years. Uh, we, we always refer to it as one more because it's one more fully guaranteed, assuming the Rockets don't win the championship next year. Hey, do you ride with him? I mean, it, it does. It becomes guaranteed if they win the championship for the next year. So I guess I have to start... Okay. I can't do it. Should I start putting that in my stories? <laughs> Eric Gordon.
1: Just <That's> in case.
0: <laughs> Eric Gordon, whose contract is um, non-guaranteed if the Rockets don't win the championship next season. Uh, but and maybe they ride with him. I, I think it's more likely to get what you can. And this is the other thing I was going to bring up. What should, if they are to trade veterans... And I guess we could throw Nawaba in this. Although, you know, he produced a little bit in that last game of the year when he finally got a chance to play.
1: Yeah, after not playing for the last 10 games before that.
0: Right. They played him and, you know, but OK, if they are to trade veterans, should they continue to stockpile draft picks, sort of the uh, the process, Sixers or, or Thunder strategy of all the picks you can get? Or is it time to try and get young veterans, try and get you know, first-round picks or lottery picks who at the start of their careers either didn't get the minutes or haven't panned out. I guess you know where I'm leading. It sounds like I, I, I'm leaning towards. It's time for the second one. Add some veteran NBA players with potential, younger veterans if you can get them. Uh, otherwise, all right, then I understand the draft pick idea. As opposed to all picks are good. Get as many picks as you can get.
1: Yeah, because otherwise I think you fall into this cycle that we're going to see repeat itself between this season and next season where you're just going to continue to be this super, not only young, but inexperienced team. You can be a young team and still have some guys who have that NBA experience or even G League experience, um, and that does give you a little bit of a boost. But if you're just every year going and dipping back into the draft pool and bringing on guys who have to be taught – Not only how to play within your system, but just how to play in the NBA. That's that's a lot of time spent teaching. That's a lot of extra patience required from Stephen Silas and his staff. Um, Patience required from the front office towards the coaching staff. Like you're just repeating uh, everything that they went through this year, even if you are slowly accruing more talent. the The teaching cycle is gonna keep keep going, and that's what makes it difficult. So I do think that it's worth going and adding some older guys. Because if we look at, if we assume Christian Wood and, and Eric Gordon and Nwaba and all those guys are gone next year, Jayson Tate is like the veteran of the Rockets. And, you know, he's, he's an older guy, but he hasn't been in the league for that long. He went undrafted. He is very, very solid and consistent for them. You know, plays so many games. I, I think you pointed out to him yesterday that he played the most games of any second-year Starter, so like he he's very consistent for them. There are things that he can't do. They could stand to get more shooting in the front court for sure. His shooting did get better this season compared to last, but is not the best. But you know, if you have him as the veteran on your team, that that says a lot. It's putting you in a tough position. So I do think I agree with you. They they could stand to go out and get some more young veterans.
0: You mentioned that cycle of learning. I did want to get to that because that was a good. I don't know, but before we leave some of the, the young guys from this season, just it, it, we'll cover it quickly on what they need to do, what they need to be better at. Uh, and and we, we started with Shingun before. He has talked a lot about, and he's right, he needs to become a bigger, stronger guy. He, he just, he's 19, so he has a chance of his body changing um, and being that. The fact that he's so determined to become that I think is a very good sign that he doesn't want to get pushed around by every Stephen Adams, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Andre Doman. There's a lot of big, strong centers in the league. Yusuf Nurkic, you know, Embiid is going to be Embiid, but you don't want to turn Yusuf Nurkic into him, you know, because and so and he's also he's not going to grow. He's 6'9". You know, maybe a touch more, but he's not even 6'10". He's not the seven-footer that Jokic is. And so he's got to get to be a big, strong guy. And I think his shot will develop to where he can be a mid-30s three-point shooter. And that would be huge for the Rockets uh, if he could be that. Josh Christopher, he's going to play summer league. Where does he need to take the next step?
1: He, he wants it to be defensively. And I think that we saw coming in, he was... Really hailed as as a big uh, a guy with big defensive upside, and Rafael Stone even compared him to Drew Holiday uh, shortly after the Rockets drafted him. And Josh brought that up again yesterday and said, "I want to live up to that." Like that's a good comparison. I believe he goes, "Oh, you know, that's that's not bad." He compared me to Drew Holiday. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Uh, So I think that you know he wants to um, improve his defense, and that is some of it is just. Physicality, um, but a lot of it is just the technical understanding of where you need to be, your rotations, your slides. Um, It's stuff that, even if you think that you are physically capable of holding your own, like you have to understand how to play within a defense. That's something that many of the Rockets, even the older guys, struggled with this season. So it's not all incumbent upon Josh Christopher to become the next Eric Gordon right away um, in his second season. But I think that that is what he is focused on the most because he showed offensively, like he has that burst. He can turn it on, um, especially late in games. But yes, he absolutely can. So I think defensively is where he wants to take the next step.
0: Yeah. And he needs to be more of a knockdown shooter. And I thought that was a good point you made. Be the next Eric Gordon. If Eric Gordon's not here, somebody's going to play three and he, he's Josh Christopher a six, five guy and he's thick, strong guy. You know, he it's, that's a long way to go. Plus, you know, they weren't a great three point shooting team and Eric Gordon was a very, very, very good three point shooter. If you take him out, how do you get better? So that would be, and then there's Jalen green. Well, even we can even say the combination of Jalen green, Kevin Porter jr. Backcourt. I, I have to say, I've sort of changed my mind a little bit on that to where I thought, nah, you know what? Kim Porter Jr. might be best served in this Jordan Clarkson role of when he gets going, let him go. You know, that's a star off the bench. But don't ask him to be the point guard. He's not a point guard. He's a guy playing point. And I think he showed in these last weeks, that, and I think the Rockets saw, that when those two guys are leading their offense, which does mean you sort of need front court players who are more three and D oriented. But when those two guys are leading your offense, maybe they can be a really good offensive team. Let them go. Let, let, and Kevin Porter Jr. became more efficient where he was aggressive looking for a shot, but didn't force them. He still has to get to the point where he drives with a plan, not drives and then figures it out when he gets in there. But uh, I don't know. I'm starting to turn around on that to say he can be a high scoring lead guard. And and I think the fact that he's working so much and is so aware of his need to grow from sort of the highs and lows emotionally that he goes through, which we've talked a lot about during the season. But uh, to me, I give him a lot of credit for he he acknowledges so openly the way he needs to work on that and improve that. I'm back to thinking maybe that can be their backcourt of the future.
1: Yeah. He seemed, I mean, he's always been pretty self-aware, but he's definitely seemed to grow in that area as this season went on. And he knows what his strengths are and what his weaknesses are both in terms of basketball tools and um, in terms of managing his emotions. So like awareness is step one. Um, And he certainly has that. But I also think, you know, he was talking about, well, during the playoffs, I'm going to kind of be watching. I'm going to be studying these guys who are competing and trying to emulate certain skills that other players have. And I said, well, who are you going to watch? And, you know, he said, oh, well, kind of the typical guys, all the all-star point guards, Kevin Durant. But then he mentioned uh, Campazo and his passing and just the fact that he would say that because he considers himself very much a natural born scorer. That's the thing he knows how to do is put the ball in the basket. So the fact that he's aware, okay, now that I'm playing this new position and he played a a season high number of games this season, 61, I believe um, he'd never played that many games before in his career. And he's doing it full time at a new position surrounded by a bunch of guys who have never played in the NBA before. um, And he's saying, okay, well, you know, yes, it's going to help when our team as a whole grows together, but I also need to take on this responsibility of adapting to my new position and, you know, making myself the best point guard that I can be for this team. So he's taking that responsibility pretty seriously.
0: Right. And then Jalen Green, He, I think people feel a lot better about the Rockets and their future just based on what he did, really, his shooting since, Hey, you can even say I was gonna say since February 1st, but it's sort of neater to say since he turned 20 February 9th. Uh that you know, that's a when you're starting to shoot in the 39% on three-pointers when you've got his athleticism. And he's so much better now at getting to the rim and knowing when and taking is reading everything we've talked a lot about. But um he really is a guy who could lead the league in scoring. And his determination to be the scorer in these final seven games when the veterans were taken out of the lineup shows a willingness to be that throughout his career. Can he? Will he decide, OK, I have to carry this offense and I need to be the leading scorer for this team? He showed that he felt that way and delivered. Uh, I think people have to feel really good about things beyond what we saw right away, the incredible athleticism so on. Um, Although that's kind of fun too. People did seem to enjoy when he's, you know, putting alley-oops in over his head or blocking a shot where he has to duck under the rim. Um, Which by the way, that one in Toronto, he never got credit for the block. It's not in the stats. He, He finished that game with zero block shots and a viral social media block shot. It's a very difficult combination to get.
1: A damn shame. But he also made the point yesterday, which I thought was interesting. He said, well, like, I don't really feel like a rookie because he had his season in the G League, um, which, you know, due to COVID and other things was very strange and shortened. But he also said, like, you know, I feel like that experience made me feel like I wasn't really a rookie at times this season. And yeah, yeah, I guess so. But uh, I, I think he's. He's, he's always had that confidence. Like He's never been a guy who you really worried about him being short on confidence, and he definitely did seize that opportunity in these last few weeks with the vets out um, to be that guy. And he understands that that's what the Rockets need from him going forward. He understands that he needs to get even probably more adept at harnessing his athleticism and using it in different ways. Um, he needs to get better with rebounding, defensive rebounding in particular, there are things to improve on, but I think that the glimpses that the Rockets saw this season prove that, you know, he can be that guy.
0: Well, then the other thing they saw is he's got not just a work ethic that he, he puts in the hours, but he he's very professional in about the way he, he goes about the work. He will study the video and take what he learns from video to the court. Uh, you know, little thing, and I th- might have talked about this last week, but he needs to protect the ball better as he goes through the lane. That was a huge problem early and everybody referred to it as his lack of strength. Well, he needed to hold the ball up higher, like a running back going and he watched it and he did it. He learned to go jump off one leg on his drives. And he did that early and started turning things around. Then he got hurt. And he, when he came back, he regressed at that where he would catch and gather and, and, do the two-leg jump, well, he made that correction. And when you saw these last, really, six weeks or so, but especially the last seven games, but really throughout from February on, no, he would finish his drive off one leg and, and finish better. And I'm not bringing that up because it's a thing that he had to show he could do. It showed his ability to learn. To to sort of take what he's taught and apply it to games, that and the work ethic and the professionalism, and that's the way he wasn't a rookie coming in, taking care of his body, doing the training room, you know, doing the weight room after games. His 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 routine, uh, you know, it's to bring up an old name. It's very James Harden like, where Harden. Harden's dedication to his routine, to his pregame, to his postgame training, you know, guys would come in here, even his old buddy from Oklahoma City, uh, Russell Westbrook, whoa, you're doing that after the game? And yeah, he never and that the Rockets have seen that and they I have heard that comparison, that his determination to be great is very similar to someone who became great. Uh, who did not arrive here at that level and became that and to me eh, maybe that's a positive way as we're wrapping it up. Um, there was one other topic I wanted to get to but that that is something that means as much to what he can become as what we have seen on the court is what you don't get to see that the Rockets have seen and that's why they're so encouraged uh, by his potential and one other thing I guess we haven't gone into so maybe it's a good way. We talked about whether it's time to win and how the organization should feel. How can Steven Sallas be the coach? Will he be the coach whenever this team is ready to win? And I will say, this might be maybe should go into the is it time to win part. I don't know how you're going to win in the Western Conference the way it is. Because not only is it so deep with good teams, you've got, you know, some that are getting better. The Pelicans are in a play in. And they're going to get a first-round pick and Zion Williamson back. The Spurs are in a play, and they have three first-round picks. They could do something with that. Portland isn't in, and they're going to get Damian Lillard and have two top-ten picks, one of which they probably trade for a veteran who can play. And they have other guys coming back besides Lillard. Uh, Memphis is absolutely on the rise. I don't know where the wins come from. So with that in mind... And with the Rockets in their situation where they're bringing in another young guy and they have so many young guys, they're maybe moving on from a couple veterans. They have one more year before all the cap room and one more year with control of their pick. Can Steven Silas be the guy whenever this team is ready to win?
1: My Truly, my answer is I don't know. But I think that him coming back for next season – is a good first step. Obviously, it it does matter somewhat the relationships that he is building with uh, the rookies and the rest of this young core. And, you know, if he keeps his staff intact, which he said yesterday he intends to do, but, you know, we'll see. Things happen. Um, But as long as he is here, um, he he has those relationships. He spent this year having to be patient, really intimately getting to know these players and what they can do. And so I think that only serves the Rockets well for this upcoming season, but we'll see who they add in terms of draft picks and veterans and kind of how the rest of the team is going to be shaped around this young core that they already have uh, with green and Shingun and the likes. And if the Rockets believe that Silas can work with, That team,
0: And that's the thing is, it's basically, this league isn't fair. Frank Vogel got fired and it was the automatic everybody knew was coming. Well, he didn't put that roster together. I mean, that was bad, flawed from the start. And there was that potential all along. People thought that could happen. Maybe it wouldn't have gone. But what we learned about that team throughout the year is it's not his fault, but you take the fall. Well, Steven Silas... He's in a no-win situation. So guess what? He doesn't win. You know, that's, that's how it is. Uh, they made this – from the minute they said John Wall is going to watch the games, they said, okay, we're, it's not about winning because he would help win more games. How do you judge him based on wins? You know, if you base him on development, well, they did great. Yeah, he's got, he's back next year, of course. But, you know, he had an option year for his fourth year. I tend to think if they were hiring him in this situation as opposed to what they did to to coach a team that at the time had Russell Westbrook and James Harden and and then John Wall and James Harden, well, okay, you give a first-year guy three years with a team option, he might have then gotten four years. And even the fourth year is going to be tough, but his record is just terrible because of things that, are not in his control uh, you know maybe he has to show that they can win more games if at some point they decide that that's a goal we want to pursue but I would say teaching people how to be NBA players and I don't mean you know what time the buses run and get your nap and get your training but really how to play in the NBA you know the different defensive coverages and so on and then as he takes it next year as he described to the next step of of much more advanced than the very basic things. There's value being able to teach that and building relationships the way he has would indicate that, yeah, he can win if he's got the players who can win. Uh, It remains to be seen if he'll get that fourth year and a chance, because by then they probably do want to be at least in contention for playing. And you bring in veterans who can help when you have the giant. And that's the other thing. And we'll wrap it there. Uh, in the discussion of whether it's time to win, if they have this gigantic cap room a year from now, do you need to win next year so that free agents want to join it? Do that, okay, I want to take your money, uh, or is it just, hey, you got the money, you're going to grab it? Or do you need to be viewed as a team on the rise that free agents will want to join?
1: I mean, I think there's certainly something to be said for making the team, a more attractive destination based on record. I can't imagine too many people who look at 20 and 62 this season and say, hmm, yeah, that looks like something I I need to uh, get my hands into. So I think that that's definitely part of it.
0: Well, that seems like a good place to end it. We went a little extra bonus Texas Sports Nation Rockets podcast for the first one of the offseason. We spared you our thoughts, though, on most improved player uh, votes around the league. Maybe as the offseason continues, we'll have to get into that kind of thing. But there's some things to sort of set up the offseason and just a whole lot of decisions to come. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Till next Tuesday, for Danielle Lerner, I'm Jonathan Fagan. Thanks again. Get the Texas Sports Nation podcast wherever you do. Thanks again. Talk to you next week.